We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states. And the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live, in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Here's Kyler Murray surveying. And intercepted! Oruwariye down the sideline! Still running! Down at the five and six! Interception of the year! Victory screech! seventh pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell, tackle, Oregon. He's going to run it straight in. Jared Goldberg. Yes. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. DJ Hawkins, yes. they did it. They tied it. They're an extra point away from winning this game. Oh, baby, how big is that? yo what is going on guys welcome back to the pride podcast episode 218 on the blue wire network i am your host tyler gentleman main guy as always i got my man peter with us no malcolm with us today but peter how you doing today on this victory monday man i woke up feeling good today it's victory monday i'm done with my finals uh, life is good right now. Christmas is coming up. The Pistons won too, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so, gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Actually, I watched that game. I watched maybe like the last two minutes. That was about it. I didn't watch it, but still, like they won. They won. A win's a win. So the Pistons won. The Lions won. I think you're done with finals. I'm done with finals. Christmas is coming up. You can't ask for a better, uh, a better week. No, this is a good time. Good time to be alive right now. Lions won a game. You mentioned the Pistons snapped their 14 game losing streak. Don't have to worry about waking up for school the next day. You're, you're on break right now, so enjoying life right now. And 
Uh, something else to mention, the Red Wings, they won a game on Saturday night. Dylan Larkin got his first career hat trick. So it was, just, it was a good weekend for Detroit sports uh, this Absolutely. weekend. Only one loss, it was the Pistons to the Rockets. We don't want to speak on that, but everything else was perfect for the Detroit sports weekend. So, And that got it off with Saturday night win for the Detroit Red Wings. So, yeah, I, li- I like that you mentioned the other teams because they, they also had some big ones this weekend. But, yeah. Let's talk about this Lions game. Before we get into the game itself, let's get into some updates that we found out on Monday morning, Monday afternoon with some COVID-related stuff, some guys being added to the list, some guys being removed off the list, and then some guys uh, being out for the year due to injury. So I'm going to start off with the guys activated from the COVID-19 list. We're going to start off with cornerback Mark Gilbert and running back Jamal Williams. They are officially back, so they could return to practice tomorrow. And, yeah, they're activated uh, place on the COVID-19 list, quarterback Jared Goff, offensive tackle Matt Nelson, and then out for the year on injury reserve, linebacker Alex Anzalone, and then running back Craig Reynolds from the practice squad is now officially an uh, active member on the 53-man roster. So a lot going on there. Peter, what's the most eye-opening thing? I, obviously, Jared Goff being on this list is very eye-opening. All right, so I have to be honest. We've We've talked a lot of shit on Jared Goff on previous episodes, but right now, the way he's playing, he's playing at a high level. Like, he's been playing really well the past few weeks. Um, losing him sucks. If he's like, if he doesn't test negative two more times, he's going to be out this week. Also, Matt Nelson in the running game, we saw like what difference he does when he's out there. So, those are kind of like two big losses. Obviously, your quarterback's a big loss. And then Matt Nelson, he's your swing tackle, he's also your extra jumbo guy in the running game. Which they run that formation relatively often, honestly. Like, they run it a decent amount of times in a game. Um, It's a formation that they're very comfortable with. And you mentioned that when Matt Nelson is out there in that formation, he usually thrives in that role. I mean, he had a big, big pancake on Isaiah Simmons in that first drive, first offensive drive for the Lions. And, you know, Matt Nelson, he's kind of embraced that role. I I like that role that they have him in right now. So, yeah, he's on on the COVID-19 list. He was out for a little bit with an injury, so... Can't really catch a break right now. Good to see Jamal Williams back on the list. But it's going to be interesting to see how the Lions manage this backfield now because obviously you've kind of had the coming out party of Craig Reynolds the last two weeks. You kind of know what you have in Jamal Williams. I saw DeAndre Swift kind of return to practice as as far as estimations. So it's going to be interesting how they kind of deal with this backfield. I I honestly am all down to seeing the young guys get the rest of the three games and just seeing what we have in them. And, you know, let them ride the way. Because I know what I have in Jamal Williams. I know what I have in DeAndre Swift. So I'm honestly more intrigued the rest of the way to kind of get more of a look of Craig Reynolds, Jamar Jefferson, and if Godwin Ikebuke could survive this week. uh, Because obviously he's had two really tough weeks with the fumbling issues. Um, but th- that's something I want to see these next three weeks. I honestly want to get more of a look at the younger guys than, you know, Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift, just because we know what we kind of got on them already. I think um, I think we kind of already know what Greg Reynolds is, and I think we know what Godwin is and Jamar. They kind of are what they are sort of right now. They're young backs. Um, but if the Lions are going to try to win, I think you're going to see a lot more of Swift and Williams and probably more of Reynolds as well. I personally think, I know this might sound controversial to some people, but I think Craig Reynolds might be the best pure runner on the team, like pure runner, like as a pure runner. I would agree with that, honestly. I think his vision is really good. We, we mentioned that in our live show, and we've talked about it on the side. We're like, yeah, I mean, DeAndre Swift, he's a great receiving back. He, he's gotten better as a runner. But I think Craig Reynolds, just as a pure runner, between the tackles, with his vision, I think he might be the best running back on this team. I think it's very possible. 
Like when we say the best running back, we're not saying like best overall. So for our listeners, like the best runner, like as a runner with the vision and the, the like. I know yesterday he was about to like the play got blown up and he literally uh, bounced it back the other way and he got what was it like seven eight yards? I forgot. Yeah, but, and it looked like it should have been like a loss of two. Yep, he bounced back, turned around, and just went. That tells you about about his vision and how he is. Um, so okay, I think we can get into the game now. Yeah, we can get into the game. And I want to start off with Craig Reynolds in the, in the game. And I, I mentioned this yesterday in our live show, and I tweeted about this, and it got a lot of traction. And I love the direction the Lions are going as far as offensively with their offensive line and, and the trench that they're building. Because we mentioned it, you win games in the, uh, in the trenches. It's a cliche, but it's true. And the Lions are doing that offensively. The Lions have had any running back this year, essentially. They've all had... A, a positive game in some way and that's a, l- a lot of credit to the offensive line because they are creating these big holes for these running backs to get a lot of yardage and the lions are now building an identity and a foundation where they don't have to pay a running back ever in in my opinion i think they have a foundation on their offensive line where anybody could run in this backfield and they're going to be a positive player they're always going to be a threat tyler i'm with you we've talked about this a lot unless you're like a back who makes a big difference to your team. I'm not really a fan of paying running backs a lot of money, even though they deserve it. I just don't want, like, for example, DeAndre Swift, he's a great back when healthy, he produces. But I don't know if I want to pay him 13 or 14 million a year. I mean, that's a discussion we'll get into. I mean, we, we're still obviously going to rock out the rookie contract of DeAndre Swift. Right, right, right. We got right. right now, and that's a conversation we're going to have when it comes to that time. But, you know, looking early on, I, I think the Lions are putting themselves in a position. I think Brad Holmes kind of has the same mindset is we're gonna have uh we're gonna have a running back room of we're never gonna pay a big running back and we're never gonna use a, a high draft pick on a running back and we're still gonna have a running game with that being all said it's the san francisco 49ers that's how they built their team and you know when you could do that you could invest to other ple- you could invest to other pieces on your team if that is another offensive line piece another defensive line piece wherever that may be because what you're so confident in is your offensive line. It doesn't really matter who's running the ball in the backfield. You're going to have a legitimate run game somewhere or another. And that's just a great identity to start off with. And I'm so glad that we're actually seeing this. And this is actually coming to reality because how many years have we came in to <laughs> say like, oh, like we could have a running game. We have a good offensive line. You know, we have some solid running backs. But to actually see it come in, you know, in reality, I think is very promising. And you're building this foundation with young players that you could build your team off for many, many years. It's not like you have some veterans right now where, you know, they're on a short leash where you got a one year deal with them or something. Like that. You got Frank Ragnar locked up, you got Taylor Decker locked up, and you got Penny Sue on a rookie deal right now. Jonah and you Jackson, got Jonah Jackson too. too as well. That's four of your five offensive line pieces. If you want to keep them. If you want to keep them. That but my main point is you got four of the five offensive line pieces already figured out. That's a foundation. That's a legitimate foundation. And they're doing this right now with arguably their best player offensively, Frank Ragnow. Yeah. So, and, yeah. so it, it makes you think, like, what, what about when you add Frank Ragnow to go along with these guys? That's an exciting thing to think about for now and the future. So I'm glad that the Lions have figured this out this season. No, I'm with you there. Um, like, we've, we've said, I think Malcolm said, he's like, man, I, I'm going to stop finally saying this if this is not the year. And it looks like in the beginning of the year, it was like a little kind of like up and down. But since Campbell took over, it's been consistent. I think we can agree on that. The running game has been consistent. 
I think one thing we got to give credit to as well, I think the threat of Taylor Decker being out there as well, because we were missing him the first half of the season as well. Since Taylor Decker's come back, this running game has really gotten going. Yeah, Taylor Decker. And then you also have um, losing Ragnow hurt, but then Evan Brown didn't really miss a beat. I mean, yeah, he's not Ragnow. Yeah, but he's playing really well. I could make the case that he's probably better than a lot of the starting centers in the league. He's up there. He's probably a top. The way he's playing, maybe a top. 12 to 16 center, somewhere around there. I don't know exactly where. I'm not going to wait. But he's been playing really good. Yeah, but I'm I'm excited, man. I'm excited about that being figured out. And not to get too ahead of myself because we still have a long way to go, but we're your position to draft right now. You have a legitimate shot to fix the other side of the trenches and get, maybe not fix it completely, but to get a true dog on that defensive line. If that's an Aiden Hutchinson a cave it on Thibodeau. I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself, but like a George Karafalis, how you say his name? Karafalis. Yeah. Karafalis. But like, but my point is like, you have a legitimate shot to now fix the other side of the trenches. And if you get both sides going, whew, that's good football right there, man. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's, that's how you build. That's how you build the that, team. That's fun. That's fun. I mean, you saw what you, you've seen what Aaron Donald does. We, we've seen what TJ Watt has done, what the Washington football team has done defensively. Like you got a good D line, man. That helps your entire defense. And obviously, we know with the O-line right now, like the Lions wide receivers are not the best. They're okay right now. They've gotten better, but that O-line is helping them out a lot. And the passing and the running game. And also, to go forward, because I'm assuming your opinion on Jared Goff hasn't changed as far as you don't think he's a franchise quarterback, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're putting as a good position for your future quarterback as well. 100%. Because when you have an offensive line – and you have a quarterback that can maybe elevate your offense with his talent and put him in offensive line like this, that's when you get the best out of guys. That's when you get the absolute best out of guys because you're going to be able to have a legitimate running game and you're going to be able to have a legit quarterback who can make plays on his own as well to go with pass protection. That's just a recipe for good offense and good offense in football. So yeah. that's very exciting. And something when you had a good quarterback in Matthew Stafford that the team failed to do for 11 years but it seems like they're finally doing that now sucks that we don't have Matthew Stafford anymore but hopefully you find the next quarterback that could you know maybe not be as good but you know be a guy that could kind of carry the offense a little bit more than Jared Goff does right but no that's right. just that's a very exciting thing that I took away from this game and overall mainly in the season but this game was another true test to see we don't need DeAndre Swift we don't need Jamal Williams we're still going to have a legitimate running game it doesn't matter if they're not out there I have another takeaway, and I don't know if a lot of people agree with this, but I've been impressed with Dan Campbell's play calling. He started off rough, like really rough, and what he's doing with what he has out there, I mean, let's be honest, bro. Josh Reynolds was cut. I'm in Ross St. Brown's a rookie. Khalif Raymond has bounced around the league, right? You got these undrafted tight ends playing with Hawkinson out. Swift is out. You got uh, offensive linemen in and out every week, different ones in, different ones out, right? So just what Dan Campbell has done since he took over play calling, obviously those first two weeks were a little sus, but I think we know now why the weather and Jared Goff was hurt, and they didn't, I don't think they trusted Tim Boyle. But ever since, like, I want to say the, um, which game was it? It's like it? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, maybe. Ever since, like, Thanksgiving, he, he knows his team kind of. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their strength. He knows what works. He knows what doesn't. We're not seeing that many screens anymore, which yeah. is a positive sign. We're not seeing that many checkdowns anymore, honestly. We're, and Jared Goff is playing with confidence. So if Campbell decides to continue play calling going into next year, 
I wouldn't mind it because we're also seeing those mistakes that we saw when he first took over play calling not really happening anymore. The time management has been good, right? Um, we haven't seen a lot of issues substituting and stuff like that. Too many guys on the field the past couple weeks. So a lot of this stuff is getting fixed. And that's that's what you want to see in a young coaching staff. I told you guys that. As the year goes on, you want to see him improve and not make the same mistakes. And we're seeing that with Dan Campbell right now. Detroit Lions football is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Detroit Lions tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all the other ticket sites charges which let them guarantee the best price on all the NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, Tipic will give you 110% of the difference in your purchase price. So if you're headed to Mercedes-Benz Stadium to watch your Detroit Lions take on the Atlanta Falcons, then TickPick got you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash Pride Podcast today to save $10 on your first order of your Detroit Lions tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got a question for you. So maybe not necessarily getting an offensive coordinator because I don't think it's a secret that Anthony Lynn's out the doors after this year. And you're going to have either Dan, either have Dan Campbell take continue doing the play calling or you hire somebody from an outside system or you promote within. I got a question for you. So Ben Johnson has been having a more say in the last two to three weeks-ish. Do you think he has a legitimate shot to be an offense coordinator? And I want and I want to quote Jared Goff here because someone asked him. I believe it was ninety seven to won the ticket. So he was on a he does like the weekly call with them, whatever, right? Okay. And and they asked Jared Goff, "Do you think Ben Johnson can be an offensive coordinator at some point?" And he said, "Absolutely." So did, did, would you be disappointed uh, if they went within the staff and promoted a guy like Ben Johnson or maybe even a Deuce Daly? 
No. Because uh, Campbell said he gives all the credit, like to the pass game, a lot of the credit to Ben Johnson. All these pass, we were saying like, like yesterday's play to Amon Ross St. Brown, that was a really nice creative move. You saw the play with uh, Khalif Freeman a couple weeks ago where like he shifted and then he went back. Yeah, the Broncos game, yep. The Broncos game, right? That was a nice play. You're seeing some creativity and we talked about that. Like earlier in the year, there was like no creativity. It was just kind of like, just go and do your thing. You got to get creative when you don't have weapons. You, you got to somehow use your weapons. Amon Ra in the backfield, when they like use that certain look when he's in the backfield, I like that. Like not like often, but like when they like, you know, mix it in a little bit in the game plan, I like it a lot. I do too, because no linebacker can cover him. And I don't think a safety could cover him either. That's what it is when you're in the backfield. You're not going to have a corner trying to cover him coming out of the backfield. So it causes a good mismatch for your, uh, for the, for the, uh, the offense. I think that would do wonders for Dan Campbell because I think he has handled the responsibility more of being a play caller and being a head coach at the same time. But I think it would take some stress off of him if he could have a guy like Ben Johnson be the play caller. Maybe Campbell dabbles his, you know, his two say and obviously and everything. And he always had the final say. But I think it would take a lot of stress off him. I think it could come to a better rest, uh, better results if you have someone just be the full-time play caller and not have Dan Campbell do both just because it's a lot of responsibility. And it's not that it's impossible because a lot of coaches do do both. You know, you've yeah, got right. your Shanahan's, your Bill Belichick's, whatever, LaFleur. right? Yeah, Matt LaFleur. You know, you, you got guys who could do both, obviously. But I think it would be a better recipe if the Lions could, you know, maybe have a true play caller that's not Dan Campbell and then Dan Campbell could just focus on the clock and just being a head coach, you know? Yeah, I mean, whatever, if he, like, if he decides to keep it, I wouldn't be mad. If he decides to hire Ben Johnson, I wouldn't be mad. But I think the running game, I'm going to give a lot of credit to two guys. One is Deuce Daly because we didn't have Deuce Daly on our staff last year. We did have Hank Fraley. But Deuce and Hank have done a great job with this running game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's something I'm looking in. I, I think the Lions are probably going to let go of Anthony Lynn after the season. And then I, I don't think they get another guy from, like, an outside system, at least – not as an offensive corner. Maybe they've got passing main corners. You get someone from an outside perspective. But I really do believe that it's going to be a you know in-organization hire or promotion, I would say, uh, to that offensive coordinator spot. Uh, and I think it's a very legitimate possibility that it's either Deuce or Ben Johnson. I think they have a legitimate shot of having that role next year. Yeah, I give maybe this edge more to Ben Johnson. But I wouldn't be surprised if Campbell, if he wants to, Maybe grab one of his uh, former friends, not friends, like someone he's worked with from New Orleans or someone he's worked with in Miami or along <clears throat> those Brady. lines. Joe Brady. Joe Brady is one to watch. Even the dude uh, who was who called plays yesterday for the Saints, um, Pete Carmichael, I think his name is Pete Carmichael Jr. Is that I, his name? I, I don't know, honestly. I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. Like maybe someone from the Saints staff. Maybe someone he has connections with. Right. Joe Brady's a guy to watch for. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with the offense coordinator. But, no, since we've heard the reports of Ben Johnson having more of a say in the passing game, that's when stuff has gotten really better for this offense because that's when they're starting to take shots and you're not playing scared anymore. Like, they're taking shots on third and deep, even if the the likely shot of getting it's not, you know, high. But they're still trying things now. And that's all I want to see because, you know, those three weeks between – I would say the Pittsburgh game to the so you have the Pittsburgh game, the Cleveland game, and then there's another game mixed in there. Um, I'm blinking on it, but whatever. Regardless, but there's like three games in there where the play calling was just very, very scared. You know, it, it wasn't they weren't taking shots; they were just kind of playing not to lose. But it, now you're seeing some. Now you're seeing them take some shots, even though it might not work every week. 
you just want to see the aggressiveness that they're they're finally you know implementing. I, I agree. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what I got on the offense. Let's go. Let's shift gears to the defensive side of the ball. And wait, I want to bring up something with the offense. All right, go for it. One more thing. Um, I'm in Ross St. Brown these past couple of weeks, man. He's he's been pretty good. Uh, yet yesterday. He had eight receptions for 90 yards for a touchdown on 11 targets. Even Josh Reynolds. He's So remember I said the first week, like I was kind of joking, like he's a turd cut him. I don't want him anymore because he was awful. But ever since that bad week, he's been consistent, man. Like this is a guy I wouldn't mind if they brung back. I actually want him to come back. I want him on the team next year. I mean, so you got a Monroe, obviously. That, that's like one of your guys that's going to be there no matter what. Cephas is under contract. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how he recovers. I wouldn't say he's and, a guarantee to make the team, but yeah, I mean he's yeah, gonna get it. I he's think, gonna try. I think that's about it for next year, under contract wise. Um, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, that's all you got right now. And then, yeah, you could bring back a Reynolds. I think they'll draft a guy as well. At 100%. some percent with all those draft picks, maybe even sign some guys, some veterans. You yeah. know, I, I wouldn't assume any like long term. Actually. There's some guys that like have made, that kind of make sense. Like a Michael Gallup, that was, he's going to be a free agent. That can make sense for the that. team. You know, he yeah. could kind of be a long-term piece you could build off of as well. But it's going to be interesting because the Lions going to have a lot of draft picks. I believe 11, uh, 11 or 10 of them, depending on the, all the compensatory picks that they're going to be rewarded. And then, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because Reynolds is not a guy that will cost a bank. But, you know, he's a guy that could be, you know, a starter or a wide receiver for in your team. But it's going to be interesting to see what the decision they end up making with Reynolds. Yep. All right. Uh, let's shift gears to the defensive side of the ball. I I, I was really shocked on Sunday of what they were able to do defensively. First of all, with what they had and what they were going against. Because this was arguably one of the best offenses you were going up against this year, even without a DeAndre Hopkins. Because that's still a very good offense. Offensive line, little suspect, even without Ronnie Hudson. The offensive line is a little suspect. But as far as skill players in their backfield, that is not suspect at all. James Conner has been one of the best running backs in the NFL this year. I think he's either number I think he's number two or number one in, in rushing touchdowns this year. And then Chase Edmonds coming from IR. He's a he's a legitimate running back. And then their skill players, you got guys like Christian Kirk, you got guys like AJ Green. Um, Antonio Wesley, you got Zach Ertz. I'm missing some other guys. Who am I missing? Christian Kirk, AJ Green. Oh, Rondell Moore. That's the other one I was missing. I mean, like, they have legitimate skill players. And then what you were rolling out there, you had no Tracy Walker. Obviously, Trey Flowers has been out for a while. No Julian Aquara. And then you were rolling with essentially no corners outside of Amani or Warrior. You had fucking Will Harris as an outside corner yesterday, and you shut out the Arizona Cardinals in the first half with a game that meant a lot for them that they needed for their division, a game that they needed for playoff seeding, a team that was 7-0 and on the road before this game, you dominated them with a person held that you had no business having to do that. <laughs> right. And you did that. And you limited Kyler Murray to no, like, you didn't have him have that huge rush that he has, like, every single game. They put a contain on him. They contained him very well. I'm just giving credit to Aaron Glenn, first of all, for the game plan that he put in place. And then it's the players executing that game plan because that was hella impressive of what they were able to do versus a 10-3 Arizona Cardinals team at the time. I, I, I'm still speechless of how good the game plan was executed this week. 
Yeah, uh, I'm with you there, man. We talked about this on our show, on Wednesday's show. We said you have to contain them and you have to pressure from the, like the middle, from the interior. And they did that. They were in his face consistently. They didn't let him escape the pocket. I mean, Charles Harris played out of his mind. Jalen Reeves, maybe. Like, those two guys, I think, Will Harris, too. Those three guys, in my opinion, were the best players on the defensive side yesterday. Will Harris, uh, Charles Harris, and Jalen Reeves, maybe. First of all, Will Harris, man. And we talked a lot. Of, obviously, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know how to make up a mind. Yeah. But first of all, man, Will Harris, we talked about a pregame where, like, Man, well, here is that corner. What's going on here? We don't like that. This guy came out and balled out. He had he had that PI call against him. It was like I, I feel like it could have went both ways, but they called it a PI. Whatever. You didn't turn his head. You got to turn your head there. That's fair. Um, he got a PI, and that's fine. It was first time his first time playing corner in a game where he played safety and nickel corner. He was playing outside corner. That was impressive. <laughs> that goes also to the work that AP and AG had done with these DBs. They had him prepared. They had him ready to go. There was one play in the red zone where, like, he was targeted in the red zone, and he knocked it out, and then he put on, like, the seatbelt thing, like, kind of for, like, Jerry Jacobs. I thought that was cool, too. And he put up, like, a hard thing. He put up a hard thing. Yeah, he's like, I got your back. He basically said, I got your back. That that was pretty cool. It shows also the camaraderie that these guys have in the DV's room and on the team. And it's not like he went up against some, like, bombs that like that were just promoted in the practice squad the day before like i just mentioned you he went up against guys like christian kirk rondell moore aj green antonio wesley like those are legitimate receivers and you can make an argument take any of those guys on that that you know that team as far as receivers you can make an argument that they're our best receiver on our team or at least our number one number two on our team yeah you you can make an argument for some of those guys for sure christian kirk I, I didn't. He didn't have a really good game. He had some drop passes. Um, Rondell Moore is kind of like a gadget guy, right? They used him on screens and stuff. And then AJ Green yeah. is AJ Green's a little old now. AJ but... Green had that one crazy catch, man. Yeah, I mean that was great coverage by Amani, but just a better catch by uh, the way Kyler extended that play too. That's what makes that it was impressive. unbelievable, man. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, Kyler. That's the thing, man. If Arizona, like, if they could improve their O line a little. I feel like they could go, but I just don't trust their coach that much. I don't trust him. I think I said this in our live show on Sunday. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury has a job right now if Kyler Murray's not the quarterback. I think Kyler Murray saves him right now and why he has a job right now. I think that's fair. I think that's honestly fair. Um, like obviously, I, like, I think I, I think if you know when they had the number one pick that year, and I we thought maybe they were just because they drafted Rosen the year before. I think if Josh Rosen was still in place as their quarterback right mm-hmm. now. And they let's say adjusted like hypothetically like a Nick Bosa or Quinn Williams or whatever. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury has a job right now. I'm with you. I, I I just I don't think he's a good coach. I think Kyler Murray makes that team so much better than it actually is. I think the player I think the team is constructed really well, like you mentioned. Like maybe you get a better offensive line and that team could be really good. I think the team is constructed really really well, and I think the thing that's holding them back is their coach. I'm with you. Um, I didn't like. Some of the, I mean, I'm not a Cardinals fan. I don't really care about what he does, but yeah. there was some really questionable calls during that game by 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 that staff. And this is their third year, right? This yeah. Third year. He got the same year as Patricia. Or no, this is year four. This is year four for him. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, year three. 2019 was his first year. Yeah. So this is year three for him. And man, like you kind of feel like so the Cardinals were ten and ten and one, and then they lost two straight. Now they're ten and three. 
But you kind of feel like when they lose a player, like you saw the injuries they had in the secondary. We talked about that in our show. Mm-hmm. They had injuries to their secondary, and they Hop was out. And you saw that kind of affected them. With the Lions, though, they had all these injuries. They're like, fuck it. We don't care who's out there. doesn't matter who's out there. We're just going to go and play our game. And they did that. Yeah. Now, that's a team that, like, I would never even touch money on in the playoffs because I, I just think Cliff Kingsbury would get out coached by like almost any playoff coach that's in the playoffs. Like if it's Lafleur, McVay, whoever it may be, I'm taking the other guy against Kingsbury. Yeah. Um, the only the only thing that gives me a chance with the Cardinals is Kyler Murray, honestly. Yeah, and what Tyler, does. I feel like we've talked about doing the Patricia. We talked about weaknesses a lot, and we talked about how to expose them and stuff. Mm-hmm. See, like with Campbell. Like, they try to expose weakness and they go at it, but this week was a lot different. They literally went at the weakness all day. They attacked their weak corners. They they ran it all over them. They contained Kyler Murray. They literally, like, said what we thought they'd do. Yeah. Then with there, Patricia, we didn't see that. Yeah. I mean, th- there's one thing of just, like, barely taking the game and, like, maybe you get a little fluke game. Like, the, like a turnover here, the Cardinals didn't show up. But this wasn't a fluke by any means. This was a pure domination from the start to finish for the Lions. There was no give up at any point in the game. I, I told Pierre before the show, the only one time I was scared that the Lions might choke this game away, and that's just because PTSD of, of being a Lions fan, you've seen almost every single scenario. It's the one when Godwin could make a fumble, then it was 17-3 at that point. That was the only time I was scared. But what did the Lions do? They flipped the script is what I, would t- is, is what I tweeted. Amani Arroyo gets to pick the next play. Uh, amazing interception, gets right. him right in the red zone. Next play, play action. Jason Cabinda first career touchdown. The script was flipped. You never see that from the Lions team. I don't care what generation, what era, who's coaching, who's quarterback. You never see that from the Lions. A turnover like that, they're crushed. They're going to give a touch on that drive. It's a one position game. Probably a three and out. The Cardinals come back and they tie the game, and then and then the rest is history. Probably. It's either going to be a close finish that you barely lose or a close finish where they, they barely squeak out. That's every line team in the past. What they did yesterday or on Sunday was completely different. What they did was they had the fumble and they made a play right after. Got the ball right back and didn't let that be discarded for them. Because what I would say, a little, like, a, like a previous line team, they would put their head down and say, fuck, man, we just we lost the ball. And the Cardinals are going to drive down your throats. That's what would happen in the previous Lions team. They don't let that happen on Sunday. Yeah, this obviously the Lions aren't as talented yet, but man, we always say coaching matters. Obviously, the most talented team yesterday was Arizona on the field, but coaching matters. And what Dan Campbell has done with this squad, especially yesterday, you had practice squad guys starting. Tommy Kramer at guard. Craig Reynolds at running back. He's from the practice squad. Um, Whole backfield. Like Lamanier. What's his name? I don't know if he necessarily started, but he was rotating in, in and out a lot, like one of the edge guys. I think it's Jesse Lamonier. Oh, Lemonier? 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 Yeah. He was a practice squad guy, right? You had Brady but Bruce actually playing. Technically been here all year, but he's like a healthy scratch every game. But yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was better. Okay, you had uh, Brady Breeze claimed off waivers. He played He played some snaps literally right away. You had um, C.J. Moore, who hasn't never really played defense. He played some snaps on defense. I mean, you had guys who just, like, weren't – you didn't have these guys, like, projected to start at all. These guys were starting and playing. They actually played at a solid level. They played they played good enough football. And the reason why I said Cliff Kingsbury, I don't know about him, is because he didn't really attack those weaknesses that Detroit had. Yeah. He didn't really go at, like, Will Harris as much. He didn't really attack 
He didn't attack the, the inexperienced. Runner, he didn't attack the inexperienced corners, right? He didn't. I don't know. Their running game was working, but they they kind they of just had to weren't go away using from that. Yeah, they weren't using it. Like I know they were down at some point, but even in the beginning, like they just were not using that run game. And they have good running backs. I, yeah, that, that, that that made zero sense to me. Like I don't know how you watched that Broncos game last week and say, hey, let's not run the ball. I I, I don't understand it. Well, what happened is Detroit killed like the first the first drive was like almost nine minutes long. Yeah, and then, it was eight fifty. Yep. And then um. Arizona gets the ball. Detroit is on side. Arizona gets the ball. I think they're they're trying to score quick, right? I think that's what happened, and they didn't get it. So then again, Detroit, I think, had another long drive, and they scored a touchdown, I believe. Was it a touchdown, the second drive? Is it four t- I think it was a field goal. Another field goal. Okay, I forgot, but Detroit had a few long drives, and they kept Arizona off the field. And we said that when you keep an explosive offense off the field, it kind of messes with their chemistry, too. Like, they don't really have no rhythm going. They don't know what's going to work, what's not going to work. So I feel like Arizona, then obviously once it was 17-0, you, you have to kind of like start passing because you don't want to kill more clock. Detroit's already killing the clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, that was a perfect display of what the Lions had to do. And we always said it's easier said than done. It is. And, and, and they did that. <laughs> they made it look they easy did. yesterday. Too. They did. They, I mean, they made it look really easy. They, they literally dominated the game on both sides of the ball with guys that aren't even supposed to be playing out there. Like it, like I said, it was already a depleted roster, and then you made it more depleted after the COVID cases and injuries. Yeah. Like it, like it was practice squad guys. It was guys that were second thoughts, maybe even third thought. <laughs> like guys that like <laughs> pe- people didn't think highly of. I mean, we put Will Harris at a starting outside corner yesterday and played a hundred percent of the snaps. That is unbelievable. Yeah, and. Like, you had guys signed off the street playing Savion Smith on special teams. Brady Breeze at safety. Literally, these guys right off the street coming in. Obviously, Brady Breeze was claimed, but, like, he wasn't on the Lions. And Savion's – I'm sorry, Savion's – they were both claimed. They were both claimed, yeah. They were, the, they were both claimed. Yeah they, they, yeah, they were both claimed, but, I mean, yeah, man. No, I mean, it's very impressive, man. It's really impressive. And, then, like, that's where it gets you excited. It's like – now we have to add the talent. Like, when we add the talent, what could happen next? Yeah. That's when it gets exciting. When you have, like, not, like, talent where you signed off the street. When you actually have talent that you draft and develop or sign in free agency, mm-hmm. like guys that fit your team in, that's what makes this this rebuild fun. Because we saw what they did with, like, probably one of the worst rosters in the league. I mean, I think we could agree on that. If it's not one that's up there. And they destroyed one of the Pretty best rosters in the league. No, that that and that's really exciting, and coaching is really big in the NFL. It has a big impact in the NFL, and yeah. I, I think you guys seen it for 11 years, just keeping up with the Matthew Stafford era. You guys had an elite quarterback, and you guys were never able to win with him. And a big, a lot of that was the coaching staff that that was in place, and just not being able to build a team. We're seeing a team that has far less talented than those teams that we've had in the past. And you're getting almost the same results. So it's like, okay, now what if we add talent? What could happen next? Right. That's exciting. Also, another thing I want to bring up, I think we found our kicker, Tyler. Yeah, we mentioned that. We mentioned that in our live show. I think Riley Patterson's that guy. Riley Patterson, man. Again, this is another guy. He's a rookie. He's under team control, I think, for three more years. And then you could sign him to an extension. Um, shout out to Brad Holmes and his staff. They've done a good job at identifying these young kids, these young talents, and uh, 
Riley Patterson, for example, AJ Parker, Jerry Jacobs, obviously he's hurt, but these guys are all undrafted, man. Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds. I the guy mean, was watching Netflix yeah. in August. He's watching Netflix, yeah. Right. I mean The guy was this, on his damn couch watching Netflix on August. Even Brock Wright, undrafted kid. He's a good blocker. He has he has some work to do, obviously. Like he has some super penalties sometimes, but he's a solid blocker, right? Uh Shane Zilstra had a catch yesterday. So all these guys I mean, like seriously though, yeah. all these guys that come out of nowhere, like who the hell are they? And they're they're, they're producing for you. Yeah. No, and, and like I think there's a chance that you kind of found some like those gems. Not, not necessarily gems where like they're gonna be like your superstars, but like some good role players for your team going forward. Like, I like think AJ Parker could be a good player for you going forward. A good nickel corner going forward for you. I think Jerry could be a good corner for you, maybe potential starters. It's, it's gonna be interesting to see how he, you know, recovered from that injury and how it right. know, affects his play. I think Reynolds too, man. I, I I think as far as you got the team friendly contracts, I'm on the boat right now, man. Like, don't use a high draft pick on a running back and don't pay a, a big running back in the lines right now because I'm so in love with this offensive line. I think anybody can run. I think anyone can run in that backfield right now. Yeah, even you. Like, if there's a hole, you'll you'll run through that. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but once you get tackled, you'll be in the ICU. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah, I'll be right on IR. He could put me on IR right away. <laughs> No, but like that's but that's my point. It's like I love this position that we're in right now. Like we don't have to use high draft picks on running backs. We don't have to pay one, and we could use that saved money that we're not going to use towards a running back and improve the team even more. And that's yeah. super exciting, man. That's super exciting. Okay, one more thing before we get into the baller news. So there's like some debates going on. Let's tank. Let's get the pick, or let's win for the culture. This is where I'm at, and you can tell me where I'm at. I'm in like, let's win for the culture. To me, you found Sewell at seven last year. Yeah, not having number one or number two. I mean, it's kind of like after that, it's kind of like a uh, like a fall. Guys are not as talented, but there is still some talent. Kyle Hamilton, safety, edge rusher George Karofalos out of uh, Purdue. Maybe if you want to go quarterback, let's say maybe you beat at you win the rest of your games. You're at seven or eight. Maybe you could take a Matt Corral or something. You know, so or even a wide receiver, Chris Olave, Wilson, Burks. We'll see how all the combine goes and all that stuff. You you could still get a stud. Leo out of AM. I'm missing some other guys. I don't know. Uh Devin Lloyd out of Utah. If they want to go linebacker, he's a stud. So Tyler, are you team tank? Or are you team win right now? So usually so in your previous, I was like, let's just get the top pick because I was like out on Patricia and like last year was Daryl Bevel. Like I, I had no faith in Daryl Bevel being the head coach after that. So like I didn't care about the culture at that point because I knew it was gonna reset anyways. But we're at a point where we're starting a new culture, and you want to have the identity of winning. Like they're, they're trying to establish a culture right now, so I think winning helps establish that culture of having, you know, win, knowing how to win, and especially for a lot of these young guys, even if a lot of these guys won't be on the team next year because it's going to be a lot of roster shift. And I don't really believe in the, the term carrying momentum year to year because the roster switch up between years is just, you know, geno- you know, it's huge. Like I don't think you could carry momentum – of week 17 going to week one next year. I, I, just, I don't think that's true because there's so much roster turnaround. I'll say this, though. I think with this team, you could say that because they're a young team. They're a new coaching staff. Yeah. I feel like they could carry that momentum. We talked about this with uh, the former player, um, the guy right. we had on. He he also thought that, too. When you're a young team, you're you're building a culture, and you want to attract guys here. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure players around the NFL took notes. They're like, yo, the Lions beat the Cardinals. How? Like, how's that possible? Yeah, and, and I'm not trying to sell a narrative right now that free agents are going to come to your team this year because that's just not happening. You have to still 
do a lot more to prove that you're a destination right now. You're not that destination yet. You're not that destination yet, but I feel like some players would love to play for Dan Campbell. And yeah, I yeah. also down the line. I also feel like um, money talks, and Detroit's going to spend. They have to. Not right now, but at some. In point. the off season, I'm no. I'm saying like Tyler, if if they like go on, like let's say win the next two out of three, right, or their next three out of three or whatever. We have three games left, or four. What is it? Three. three. Let's say they went two out of three or three out of three. I mean, I, I think you could attract free agents. Dan Campbell, I feel like he could, if he wants to attract free agents, I think he could. Players want to play for him. And when you read a lot about the current players, other players and other agents take notice too. Be like, hey, like you could maybe like fit here. You know what I mean? If they pay us the money, maybe Detroit's a good spot for us. Are you willing like to sell long-term it. deals right now? Yeah, well, like Michael Gallup, sure, right? If there's like a stud safety out there that would want to come here, sure. If there is like a good linebacker, I mean, there are some guys, yeah, you'd be willing to pay. Why not? I'm one more year away. I want to see one more year of development before I get into all that. I want to see what we have on our guys before we could kind of fill in those holes. Because I still think we still have a lot of holes on this team right now. There is a lot of holes, but you, to fill them, you sign guys, right? And you I know. Guys. I'm saying I want to see – I want to give these guys more of an opportunity with another draft class, another UDFA class, another kind of some one-year try-it-out deal for agent deals. I want to see those guys, if they could prove it, and we could maybe – Fix, fill those holes in this year or next year and then we kind of know what we have and then we fill in what we have to fill in after that with the big contracts and then with the draft class i wouldn't be surprised if detroit went after some top receivers or in the offseason they they landed that's a that's one because that's a position that you could have for a while like you could get your marvin jones right now it's like a guy you know you could build off for a while i could see that happening but as far as you know, other positions, I don't see Detroit being a high-spending team this offseason as far as dishing out long-term deals. I think as far as one-year deals, two-year deals, I think that's possible with Detroit this year. We'll Bottom. see. Yeah. I'm just, like, I'm just like bringing that up because it's part of that building, that culture. And you also don't want to stink forever. You you want to no. gradually improve every year. No, yeah, you do. You do. And I think they will improve from next year. But that's not a high table right now. Like, let's get through this season and then – Let's get through that another hump. And then I think 23 is the year where I think they go all aggressive as far as they know what they have. They, they'll, you know, identify what they have to fill in at that point. You have another year under your belt, what you know, what you have on your roster. You have another draft class to kind of fill in all those holes. And then you have free agency to kind of fill in all those holes. I think it's a two-year yeah. process before we go in. No, no, I'm saying, I'm not saying like they're going to go all in next year, but I'm saying I could see them being somewhat aggressive in free agency. Like if they want a guy or two, I feel like they'll go and get that guy or two. Yeah, I mean, I think if it's like a receiver, I think that one makes sense. But I don't think they're going to go out and pay a edge rusher or like a, a big-name linebacker or anything like that. I don't think they do that this offseason. No, I don't think an edge rusher because um, they already are paying Romeo Parra a lot of money, $13 million a year. And then they're going to have probably draft one right now. You look at the top three guys. I think right now Detroit's at two. So if Hutch goes one or Aiden, the guy goes one, Detroit's the number two pick. I think Hutch or Kayvon are in that play for one and two. And then maybe if you, let's say, fall to four or five, maybe the kid out of Purdue, George Karofalos, he's pretty good too. So That's, that's a big position that I want the Lions to fill in this offseason. And I know you would have to have a top two pick to probably fill in that position, most likely. I mean, it, you can maybe get one of those guys at three, like a Hutchinson or a Thibodeau, but it's more than likely going to be the top two picks in the, the upcoming draft. So I am all in for winning. But I'm not against that they lose the next three games and guarantee themselves a top two pick because I think getting a Kevin on Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson – I think that's a huge move for the franchise going forward, and that's a long-term piece. And I think we see it every year in free agency, and I think we have fallen guilty of this where 
we try to pay an edge rusher, you're never going to get an A-plus or A-level edge rusher in the free agency class. Because if you're a good edge rusher, the team is going to lock you up, whoever drafted you. So the most likely chance to get a good edge rusher is more than likely through the draft. It's happened before, but it's like like you said, it's it's rare. Good edge rushers don't like Judon last year. He hit the mark. Judon, he's yeah, been I, that's who I was thinking of. But like, how often does that happen? What very rare. Really, another one is the the, the um, Trey Trey Hendrickson. He's been really good with the Bengals. Yeah, for the Bengals. Um, but yeah, you rarely see that though. Like, it, it's very rare. I mean, you saw Trey Flowers here. He's failed. You look around the league. It's more than likely going to fail because usually the like the guys that are valued like that high, you're going to get extended by your team because. You'd be stupid not to extend them. Right. So, so yeah. So, I mean, I think that would be a, a very big, you know, franchise move if you could be able to land a Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. But, you know, I, I look at it as a win-win situation. It's like if you lose these next three games, you're locking yourself for a Thibodeau or Hutchinson. If you win one, two games, whatever, you're also building to the culture and building to the foundation of, you know, this new culture that they're trying to establish. So I look at it as a win-win situation. I'm not really necessarily team tank, team win. I would say I'm more team win. Like, let's see what we could do with these guys and have Dan Campbell kind of build up a foundation. But, you know, I'm not against if we lose these next three games and lock up a Thibodeau or Hutchinson. I'm team win. But like you said, I mean, if they lose, I mean, we're still not that talented. Like, I feel like other teams – there's better coaches than Cliff Kingsbury out there too, right? So I feel like other teams can maybe still take advantage. I don't know what the schedule. I know we have Atlanta next week. I don't know what we have after that. We have Seattle, which that's interesting because they're struggling right now too. They're struggling, but I believe their top receivers are on COVID list. If I'm not mistaken, just, Metcalf, just lock it. Lock it. Okay. Yeah, Metcalf is healthy. That Russell mean, Wilson just. I mean, Russell yeah. Wilson just gives me scares me. I don't know. And you're playing in a tough environment because you're going to Seattle, which is. One of the tougher roads. That's one of the toughest roads. Yeah, and then you have your last game is Green Bay, right? I mean, that depends. Yeah. If they have the seed locked up, maybe they'll rest their guys. You could win that game. If not, think, depends. We'll see. I think with the new playoff rules, I think it's so much harder to lock up a buy now because it's only the first seed. So I think the NFL, by doing that, it's almost like very difficult to take Week 18 off now because you're going to be in position potentially to fight for that number one seed. I think the only team that takes it off is if they clinch the division already – and there's no way they can get the number one pick or the number one seed, I should say. Uh, I yeah. can't play the way you rest your players. And I think Green Bay right now, you're looking at it, they do have the lead right now. I think they're 11 and three. And then there's a couple 10 and four teams right behind them, though. So it's going to be interesting these next three games. I don't know if they can lock up that number one seed in these next two games. So they might have to play their starters week 18. Yeah, we'll see. Um, that's something to watch for. But let's take it week by week. We have Atlanta next week. We'll get into that on Wednesday. So we'll see what happens with their um, baller noopsie. Yeah, let's do that right now. So who's your baller of the week? I got two. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So I have um, offensively Jared Goff. One of his best games as a line. Uh, very efficient. I don't think he threw it. He didn't throw a turnover. Damn near um, perfect. Almost like 139.7 rating. So. 21 for 26, 216 yards, three touchdowns. And he wasn't – what I liked from this game is he didn't really panic. He was under pressure. He didn't move back. He actually moved up in the pocket instead of moving back into a sack. And he also – he didn't check down as often either. So I was impressed. with Another thing, too, is he he got hurt. He missed like – I don't know if he missed a play. Maybe he missed, missed a play one forgot. play where they missed ran. a play. And he shook it off and came back and showed his toughness. You, all, you always like to see that in your leader and your quarterback. 
Shout out to Jared Goff. And then the other one is Charles Harris. I mean, this guy, he played like he was like TJ Watt. He played out of his mind yesterday. Played up to his first round status. Yeah, this guy had, yeah, I think he had one and a half sacks. He had, I believe, three tackles for a loss. Um, the way he 12, 12 the total tackles in that game. Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray almost got away a couple times and he caught him. He caught him. So yeah. I was really impressed with that. So those are my, that, those are my baller of the weeks. Yeah, I like, I like those ones. And something I mentioned, Jared Goff, this was like the first game where I think he kind of really took it under his own control. Like, I know he won the Vikings game. He made the big throw, obviously. But I think you could have made the argument where he almost sold that game as well with that crucial interception where he threw into triple coverage. He didn't see those in, in this game versus the Cardinals. He was making good decisions. wasn't making bad reads. He didn't have – he wasn't locked into his first read where he says, I'm going to throw it there before, you know, the pre-snap motion. He was just – playing a very smart game he was looking at all his options you know he's looking who's open and he took advantage of it he did have one bad throw thank god it wasn't pegged isaiah simmons dropped it it was a, yeah. it was a really bad throw but I, I, I remember that, that was a game. <laughs> other than that though i mean he yeah, was he efficient also, though he was efficient he did miss i'm in ross st brown on a deep pass um earlier i mean he's not gonna be perfect every quarter he's not gonna be perfect yeah. no he's not gonna be perfect yeah. but i mean but if, that was if a he good, throws that yeah that's probably a touchdown that's a good quarterback game like that's just what you like mainly ask out of your quarterback like, no it was his best game as a line in my opinion. that's not even a close i'm just saying like th- that's like overall the nfl season i'm not even trying to go into jared goff standard i'm saying just an nfl standard which you look at a good quarterback that was a good quarterback game it was a great game took care of the football very efficient didn't make mistakes you can't you can't beat that can't really ask for much more so yeah it's a really good football game from just a quarterback standard because i know we have our other standards for jared goff which a lot lower compared to the, the league average or league, you know, quarterbacks. But, no, he was right there in, in that game versus the Cardinals. He looked very yeah. efficient. Another thing is, too, like, he took so many hits after the play. Like, we, there was so many uh, personal fouls. So, shout out to Goff, man. Stayed in the pocket, took those hits, and got the team an extra 15 yards, like, a few times. Yeah, I think it was, like, two or three times. Yeah, I, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, I forgot about, like, how many personal fouls that actually were involved from the Cardinals side. Was it like three or four? I don't yeah, know. It was, yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, it was at least two to three times. Like I know that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just another shout out. I know this is your segment, but I want to give another shout out to the offensive line, man. I, I love this offensive line, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're moving people in the running game. It's so fun watching. Like, when's the last time you saw a Lions offensive line just like move guys? You know I love the trenches. You know I love trenches. So I always who doesn't love trenches? If you don't yeah. love the trenches, you don't love football. You don't love football. Like th- that's my favorite part of football is the trenches, and like that's why I love every draft class. And like everyone's like Tyler, why do you love the offensive linemen every like draft class? Because you remember I was talking about Rashawn Slater. I was talking about Penesu. I love offensive linemen. So yeah, I I think it's just so fascinating to watch. So man, I'm so happy Penesu was on my football team. I still can't believe he's on my football team. <laughs> But, yeah, man, those guys, those guys up front, man, they're they're mullers, man. They they literally were moving these guys back four, five, six yards yesterday. They were, they were destroying them. All right, let's get into this oopsie doopsie of the week. Oh, let me play a sad song for you on the world's smallest violin. This guy is gonna win his second consecutive oopsie doopsie of the week. I'm gonna give it to running back Godwin Ukebuke, and the only reason I'm giving it to Godwin Ukebuke is because it was a very another another critical fumble in the game where 
he almost took all the momentum out of the game, and the, the script would have flipped. And I said, like I said, a previous Lions team, and maybe even this Lions team a couple weeks ago, I think they fall apart. I think they fall apart and either lose this game close, win this game close, but regardless, it's not going to be as dominant as you were before. Like, it took out all the momentum. But Amani Oori kind of saved his ass, got the interception. But I don't know, man. Gadami Kabuki has to figure it out because that is – three fumbles i know one didn't count because he was out of bounds but that's three fumbles in two weeks now and as a coaching staff they're gonna lose a lot of trust in you as a running back yeah maybe send him back to the practice squad like release him times i I don't know um but he's also your returner so maybe less touches on offense just have him be a returner i I don't know man yeah i I think it's gotta just be craig reynolds and jamar jefferson for now on and then maybe well you got jamal williams going back too so well, even Jefferson fumbled yesterday, too, so... He did, yeah. I, I can see one of them being a healthy scratch. Honestly, if they don't release one of them, I can see either Jefferson or Iguibuike just being a healthy scratch. Yeah. There's no point in carrying five running backs on the roster. Unless no, you play, I... Unless you play Swift on IR, it doesn't seem like they're doing that, though. I don't... They haven't done it yet. We'll see. They, he's, back, he's back in practice. Supposedly, the estimation would have been he would have practiced today as the day we're recording this, so... So, um, I don't know. Yeah, Iguibuike... That was a momentum crusher, so he's going to get the oopsie doopsie of the week. Let's have more of a fun one, though, for oopsie doopsie. So Ikebuke wins it for the Lions side. Let's give it to Cliff Kingsbury. Let's give it to the fucking Lions, Hans, for booing Matt Prater. What the hell was that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I think maybe they thought, like, Braders, I mean, Prater said he doesn't want to come back to Detroit. And I didn't ever get the sense of that. I felt like the Lions decided to part ways with him. Like, new regime. They I wanted think a new just a mutual agreement. Like, that's yeah. what I think it was. I don't think why you boo Prater. Prater is like, he's awesome, first of all. Um, he was good with me personally, like on a personal level. He's been good with me. Um, he won us so many games. Yeah. And like, if, you, if you really get to know him like as a person, forget the player, just as a person, he's a really nice guy. Like he's, he has a good family man. He's like, I've known him, I know him a little off the field. He's, yeah. he's a nice guy. Oh, like, like, take it out, like, from a football perspective, like, football fan perspective. I, I know they don't give a shit about it, how he is as a person because they, they don't know that, right? Yeah. As a football player, what is the reason to boo him? I don't understand. I, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to get in his head. I don't know, Tyler. That's what I, I thought. Like, may, maybe they're trying to get in his head, but those those boos were a lot louder than, like, any kid. Like, if, I don't know, let's say Greg Joseph was going to kick you the ball. I, I didn't get the, those type of boos when Greg Joseph's kicking. No, man, and Prater, actually, like, he welcomes the smoke. He, he'll, like, he, he loves, like, he'll take that challenge. If you want to be like, all right, boom, he fuck it. I'll make the field goal. Like, no, that's I, how Prater I, is. I don't think Prater cares. I just, why? He doesn't he, care, but I'm saying, like, he probably used it as motivation yesterday. Yeah, but I'm saying as a fan base, why? what is the point? What, what are we doing here? Tyler, you're quite, you're, I don't know, because so I was, I, I was, why, I tweeted yesterday. I was like, why are they pulling Prater? Like, what did he do wrong? <laughs> all right, so I got a question for you now. So, we saw the Lions fans have no remorse for Matt Prater. Let's say Stafford comes to town and comes to Ford Field for a Lions game. Do you think it's cheers or booze? He's going to have a standing ovation. I, I would like to think that, but then yesterday it's like, like, what are we doing here? Some people, I, mean, I think some people boo if Stafford comes, though. Maybe just like for like the heck of it, just to boo. But I think majority, like you saw a lot of Lions fans travel to L.A. when the Lions played L.A. just to see Stafford and stuff. Yeah, I feel like Stafford 
well, we had a standing ovation here. I really do. I would like to think that, but I, I, I always would think that. And I still do think that, but then I, I see what they did to Matt Prater, and I'm just like, what, what, what are we doing here? I, I don't understand. It I mean, sense. how could he boost Stafford? This guy literally like played with a broken back for your team when you didn't have to play. Like the team had, they were out of the playoffs pretty much. He's out there playing with a broken back. He's playing for a coach doesn't really want to play for. I mean, this guy gave everything he had to the city. Yeah, absolutely. And like Stafford's a guy. I, like okay, so Stafford. Some people they don't like him. They just don't think he's a winner, or whatever. So I, I, I don't agree with you, but like okay, I understand it. Who disliked Matt Prater though when he was a lion? I don't understand who who's like oh I hate Matt Prater. He chokes. Like who who disliked like anyone? <laughs> no, everyone loved him. I, I I don't understand that. That that is that deserves oopsie doopsie of the week. You were on the same level of people who were booing Matt Prater. You were on the same level of Godwin Ikebuke's fumbling issue and Cliff Kingsbury. You guys are on the same level. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, man. Bear sink. I don't, oh, to, I, I, don't, I don't even need to speak up Kingsbury. We talked about that already, so you guys know what. <laughs> um, I think that's – is that it? Do we have anything else that's, you got to say? about it. I'm still disgusted by the Lions fan base for booing up. Absolutely disgusting, but it is what it is. Hope all right, you- all right. Say, like – say um, you think Kenny Galley would get booed? I don't know at this point anymore. I didn't think so, but I don't know anymore. They, <laughs> they didn't boo Slay. They didn't care, but they—they they, no, they, you can't boost Slay because yeah, Slay I, is like yeah. I don't know if they necessarily cheered him, but they didn't do anything for him. So, but yeah, they didn't really care about Jerry Slay. But I I don't know, man. I mean, I guess that he had an opportunity to boo Prater. You can't like boo Jerry Slay because you're booing the whole defense. Like you have an opportunity to actually boo Matt Prater because you know he's the one who's kicking the ball. But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. That just that doesn't sit right with me, but. Whatever it is, what it is, we won the game. Matt Prater's not on our team anymore, but I still love Prater and I respect the hell out of him. So, all right. With that being said, hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Pride Podcast of us breaking down the Arizona Cardinals game. Uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. A very fun game to watch, and just a single yeah. game domination by the Detroit Lions in this game. We will preview the Atlanta Falcons later on in this week, so look out for that on your guys' feed. You guys can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's always much appreciated. I'm signing out, guys. Peace. All right, guys. I'm out. Peace.